This is Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilots podcast, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and bringing you great soaring content from glider pilots all over the globe. We now join Chuck and Barbara, the gliding junkie, and our new guest pilot. Uh, as I'm in a glider right now, uh, flying during wave camp in Czech Republic, I couldn't join Chuck this time, uh, interviewing the author of The Art of Gliding. Right now, I am at uh, flight level 148 and trying or attempting a 1,000 kilometers flight Unfortunately, the weather doesn't really cooperate well, so um, I know for sure that it wouldn't be possible. But we are enjoying ourselves, and I can't wait to hear about the new book. So listen to the episode with me and enjoy it. Thank you, Barbara, for checking in. We look forward to chatting with you when you return there from Wave Camp. Have fun and fly safe. Welcome back to the podcast. We do have some treats for you today. Simon Lamar, glider pilot and author of the book, The Art of Gliding, is joining us from Austria to share his amazing story of flying in one of the most beautiful places there, of course, in the world. He's also here to give us a sneak peek into his brand new book, The Art of Gliding. Immediately following our chat with Simon, we are going to head over to Germany because Sergio is back. He's going to bring us another great segment, and this one is titled Where We Are Heading. But before we get into all of that, I do want to give a special shout out to our newest Patreon pilot, Brett Chilcott. Brett, we greatly appreciate all your support, and we are thankful for all of our Patreon pilots. Now, if you like what you hear and you want to help us continue to produce great soaring content here at Soaring This Guy, you can click on the link in the show notes or, of course, go to patreon.com slash Soaring the Sky. Simon, welcome to Soaring the Sky. So happy to have you today. Hey, Chuck. Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm really excited to hear your story. And I don't know what I'm more excited about because this book that you recently um, released, The Art of Gliding. And from what I've seen, this book is a real treat, but not only for glider pilots, but all pilots as well. And of course, aviation enthusiasts, hobbyists. There's just a lot of stuff in there, um, combination of exciting stories and so many breathtaking photographs. From what I understand, documenting over 10 years and a thousand hours of gliding and soaring there in the Alps. So this is this is exciting stuff. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for invitation. Yes, and um, the book is, like you said, not only for for glider pilots. It's it's for mountaineers too, and. It covers not only my my career of, of gliding the last 10 years, it also has a lot of stories from a lot of really nice and good pilots all over the world in it. So it is for sure a book for gliding enthusiasts around the world, for sure. Well, thank you for putting this book together. Uh, I'm excited to hear about it. But before we get into that, I do want to hear about your aviation journey and how everything got started. 
Yeah, I'm for sure. Basically, I'm coming from a really big gliding family. My father started gliding in like, I think, 1964. And he, he was like really into gliding and really into competition gliding. And he was um, uh, 1970 in Marfa, Texas, uh, at the World Gliding Championships there. And so oh, um, I, I got, got really um, from as a child into flying model planes and into all the gliding stuff. My father stopped his career, his gliding career then uh, around my birth. So because of he, he flew like with a lot of really good glider pilots in that time. And uh, there he lost a few friends uh, around my birth. And so he stopped gliding then, and that was one of the reasons he stopped gliding my birth. So um, I, I got uh, I got that really really um, early that gliding fever, you know. So oh, yeah, um, yeah, and, and then I was uh, like uh, growing up, basically on flying model planes, and then um, I got into snowboarding and skateboarding, pretty big. I was a snowboard and skateboard photographer. I was um, going back to gliding um, when I got 26, and then I, I was I founded my first uh, company and uh, advertising agency. I got a few more time to go soaring, and then I started soaring with 26, and then I, I got into it really, really fast. And I bought a plane, a Standard Libelle, and then after three years, I, I earned my first champion title in Austria here. And I was really into it. And I flew around 200 uh, gliding hours per year. And as uh, that, I was a, a before a photographer for snowboarding, skateboarding. Yeah, I, I carried all the time my camera with me. And so I had the opportunity to, to make a lot of really, really nice pictures. And then five or six years ago, I had the idea to make a book. And that, yeah, expanded then really quickly into that book that it is right now with his 402 pages and two and a half kilos. So, yeah, basically that was really fast, my story, um, uh, from my beginning, guiding beginnings to, to that book, yeah. Well, you're really in, I want to say, like the soaring capital. I mean, what a beautiful place to learn how to fly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It is. It is like um, um, I fly on the an Eigen airfield, and the Eigen airfield was was really the center of gliding from 1960 to 1970. Um, there were a lot of Americans uh, who were coming here to Austria to that airfield. The schools that were located there, they had them to go and to search another airfield because um, it is a military airfield. We, a small club, we stayed here on the on the military airfield. We are a military club, and so I stayed in, or or I, the the club the club stayed in Eigen, and there is another really famous airfield which was then um, built after the the flying school uh, got kicked out from Eigen, and it, that um, airfield is called Niederöblan, and it is really um, famous too here in, in 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 Europe, I have to say. Basically, it's one of the, the birthplaces of really good cross-country gliding in Europe, yeah. You're learning mountain flying, 
uh, you, you pretty much have all types of lift there. So you yeah. were just kind of thrown into all of it, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. It, it is like um, here we have, um, like you said, we have here um, really small mountains from, from, from smaller ranges up to really high ranges. And, and even, even we have the opportunity to, to fly into to Swiss, Central Swiss, Swiss. And there the mountains are, are for here, Europe, for Alps, really high up to 4,000 meters, 4,500 meters. So we are really located nicely for gliding. So that's cool. <laughs> I don't want to give the book away because I, I want people to read it. There's really some amazing stories in there, too. But what was one of those flights that really stands out in your mind that maybe you included in the book, maybe you didn't, but that you would like to share with us? Yeah, one of, of my best flights, uh, I was flying 10 years a standard libelle. And um, I, I pimped the standard libelle quite, quite good. And it was, was my, my ship for around 10 years. And my farthest flight with the standard libelle were around 900 kilometers, but uh, only in thermals, not in wind conditions. And this oh, wow. flight, I made there back in 2016 or 17. It was one of my most outstanding flights and uh, had really, uh, I got into the flow state in that flight. And that is not really often that uh, I come to that flow state, you know, when, you're, when your body is doing all the stuff only to think uh, and when you don't have to think a lot, you know. When you when you're in a state of, of flow, then 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 and you're really fast and and back after the flight you can cannot remember or you cannot replay in your mind that parts of the flight when you're really good, and that flight was an out of out and return flight from around seven hundred forty kilometers and then I added um, another another leg, and that was really one of my best flights so far with uh, the club class. I flew um, farther with with the 50 meter class, but this was one of the flights which I will remember all of my life. You know, there are a few flights that you will never forget, and this was one of them. I, I described them really good in the book, but uh, even that was not um, one of my my favorite flights. One of my favorite flights was uh, basically a really bad cross-country flight where I, I got low in the area of Innsbruck and I had to return home really early and, and I then got the opportunity um, to um, fly near the, the Hohe Tauern National Park here in Austria and I got the opportunity to soar and glide and circle with nine vultures, uh, bearded vultures. Yeah. And they were like really, they are really big. They have up to three meters wingspan. And I, I, I circled in one thermal with nine of them. I really had my camera here and I documented that, that whole flight and that flight with and that circling with these vultures. And that is more, or that is one of the flights I will remember all of my life. Uh, and really, they are more outstanding for me than, than flying a lot of kilometers, you know? That moment yeah, you yeah. never forget, you know. Yeah, these are really, really the important ones, and that is, I think, that is one of the reasons we are gliding. Get and store these moments in our mind. These moments we will never forget. For me, this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm doing that sport. Absolutely. Now, when you got into soaring, and, and it was the early years, 
Was there something that moved you towards competing rather than just getting in your label and just flying? Hmm. That is a good, good question. I think um, um, the fact that I got into gliding really, really late got me really fast into competing, not, in, not into competing, into flying really far. That was, that was for me really fast, one of the reasons I, I, I got into cross-country flying. I always was like really um, curious how it is to to fly competitions, you know, central competitions, and not decentral competitions like OLC or, or what we we do with our cross cross country flights. Um, and I I was always like I don't want to fly these central competitions because all of the the central competitions here in Austria and Germany. Germany are are mostly um, around June and and July, so that is the best time for cross country flying. And then for me, it was like always, boah, um, I don't want to go on a on a on the competition when when the weather is so nice, when you can fly nine hundred or thousand kilometers, and then you right exactly three hundred kilometers. That that was really uh, one thing that that de- depressed me a little bit. Uh, for that whole thing so so i only flew uh two competitions until this day uh central competitions and but i liked uh, i liked them really much and um, i'm looking forward in in the future to to fly a lot more um unfortunately the the libelle is now um really not good uh, not a good guider for the club class but we we have a ls3 in our club so uh, for the future i will I will transform and pimp that guide a little bit to to go for certain competitions, club class competitions in the future. Now, to reach out and go cross country, it's tough for a lot of people. It's tough to make that decision that I'm not going to stay close to the airport. I'm going to reach out further. Mm-hmm. What in your journey of flying, was there anything that made it easier or did you just go for it? That is really uh, a good question because we in the apps we don't have a lot of uh, landing um, spots. Yeah, um, we have uh, yeah. a few good areas with good landing spots, and there are uh, areas where there are absolutely no landing spots. It's like I talked to to Clemens Chapek, um last week, and he told me that there, in for example, in Colorado, there are a lot of these big areas where you don't can land to and it is in austria the same and in the alps the same but you have to and when you start gliding here in the alps you you grow up with that you grow up with that in your mind and you for example we always do tours in spring we go we drive all the fields we look on the fields we look um, at the important fields like 200 kilometers around here and um, we check all the fields and uh, you grow up in your uh, cross-country life, you know, cr- cross-country flying life, you know, right. with that in your mind. So for me, it was like I, I flew in the mountains like for around four or 500 euro uh, hours okay. before I went first into the flatlands. And for me, it was like then the most chilling flight I ever had, my, my first flight in the flatlands right was, <laughs> there is there is an airport everywhere i, I was but i was flying in a, in a really good area i was flying in the swabian alps you know like um right it is is the, the racing track in, in germany 
and it was like for me there is a field everywhere and it was so really chilly for me to fly there it was really like um, I was really uh, yeah happy to fly there then with 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 this a lot of landing uh, opportunities but here in the Alps is like yeah but Basically, you learn to fly here in the Alps, like like in the US, with with older wooden gliders, like in K8 or or a Schweizer, where you fly in in, in the US a lot of with them. So, um, yeah, exactly. These ships are are made for for short landings, and and basically, yeah. such a, a glider, a wooden glider, you can land basically almost everywhere. So. It is like uh, you learn it with with these kind of guiders, and then you step up. You grow up with that, and you get used to it. But basically, we have a lot of areas like in the Finchgau. It is a really good area where we have really good base heights. There is absolutely no landing field there. There are a lot of fields which are really good from above. We are looking good from above, but there are um, like every two meters there is a watering. Um, a water pipe coming out of uh, of the earth, you know, and for the culture here, and so yeah, the irrigation and yeah, and um, that is that is really not nice when you land there. Your glider inside it is oh yeah, it's not that good. But but the area is really nice to fly, and there are so many good thermals and so many good days. But when you fly there, you have to arrange yourself with some limits, and when you coming under that limits you have to make decisions when you make one or two bad decisions um, then you have like no more opportunities to come out there and then it's it's not that nice and usually all the clubs here are learning these all the students these bad areas and and so um fortunately we we don't have a lot of accidents here um with gliders no, that's good. So when was the first time you landed out? Was it during a cross country? I landed out. Yes, I landed out really um, late. I was, uh, it was around five or 600 uh, flight hours. Okay. Wow. It was my first land out and that it was on a day where, um, where I made a 750 out and return flight with the, with the Libelle. And it was landing out like 10 kilometers from, from my home airfield one kilometers from my home house where my parents live so that was was really nice because i, I know the field um and it was uh, really good for me but it that was um, 2014 so but in the last uh 10 years i gathered around 10 or 15 outlandings this year was not my best year i, I even uh, landed twice on the same field but okay um, i had no and I never feared the outlanding because when you make that decision to make an outlanding early, usually you you don't get get it really stressful. The the yeah. best thing is to glide until you reach the ground, you know. And, and yep. there are the, the most the most accidents happen there because the, the people are don't making that decision to land out, you know. Wings and Wheels has been serving the soaring and sport aviation community for over 30 years. They hands down have the largest and most comprehensive inventory of sailplane and soaring supplies in North America, and they ship globally. 
Nearly everything you'll find on their site is in stock and ready for same-day shipping. Wings and Wheels is the exclusive American representative for HPH sailplanes. Be sure to check out the Twin Shark, their latest launch. They're also now the exclusive distributor in North America for the new Just Soaring Glider Sim Pro. The team has thousands of hours of flying experience in gliders and airplanes. Staffed by Adam, Kelly, Laura, and Sean. A friendly voice will answer when you call or email them. Check them out at wingsandwheels.com. Did you have a flight that was a close call that really taught you a lot? I had some situations, but but I don't but I don't don't have exactly a flight where you, where I remember that, that that it was close. Right. I had some situations, you know, some near misses or 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 even got onto the lay side of a mountain and then struggling with it and and coming close to the terrain, but but it was never that. That heavy that I, I would call call it a really close call, but you know right. every every pilot ha- had these experiences, and I never I never got into that, and I, I I don't want to come in in this situation, but but I always right. try to to make some mental training um, before, and even even when I'm, I'm sometimes when I'm lying in the bed, I'm 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 going to to some mental training when what I would do when 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 there is a, a heat in the in the glider and the way do we have to go out to just make it mentally that you you have to open your your harness and stuff like that and I think that is really important that you are every time aware of that something can happen you know and in the in the mountains it's like more dangerous because all the all the gliders and all the the guys are flying the same routes you know because the thermals are are staying on that that places you know they they are not moving and so yep. that, that is really a higher risk and then there are a lot of um paragliders too you know and when you're not used to a circle with the paragliders then it's 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 really hard and you have to learn that you know but I love to to fly with the paragliders because they circle really in the core, and you can can you can go out the round. And when you circle with a good paraglider, you will you will climb really more faster than we, when you were circling with with another glider for sure. That is a really big topic. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a lot more paraglider pilots than we do here in the United States. I know we have them, but when when you see pictures and videos like on instagram you see like so many paragliders in the air flying and there'll be a few gliders and i think it's something that would be maybe a little harder to get used to yeah but you get you get really used to um, really fast and and uh, my friend Werner, which uh, which is my friend and and the viento project uh, we we made it together um, he was a really famous glider pilot. He won the, the Baron Hilton Cup. And he he does now paragliding, also on a really high competitive level. And I, I got into that paraglider scene a little bit, and I, I love all these guys, and I love the spirit of the paragliders. And, and um, a lot of glider pilots, especially the older glider pilots, are like, not they they don't speak really good over the paragliders you know and they they have kind of a small battle and and 
but I love these guys. They're doing exactly what we do. And here in Austria, they are around 10 times more than, than we glider pilots, you know? So wow. they are really, and they're, they're growing really, really fast because it's a sport that you can, you can perform really easy. You know, you, you, you yeah. grab your barrel glider, you go up, up on a mountain and then go soaring, you know, and then yeah. just land, pack your, pack your paraglider and go home and, and have that, that same experience we have. Um, but, but only, only in a smaller, you know, in a smaller vision or in a smaller area. So it's really more, more easier than gliding. So yeah, gliding is like, you know, we, we lose a lot of guider pilots every year and there is not a lot of young glider pilots coming, coming after. So that's yeah. a, a big problem here in Austria and Germany for sure. But yeah. So I want to get into the book a little bit here. Yeah, um, sure. First of yeah. all, what motivated you to write a book about soaring? Oh, that that um, that um, was like um, a dream of mine, uh, really long. I'm professionally um, a typographer and a graphic designer and an art director, and that is one of of these dreams every uh, graphic designer has, like um, publishing a book sometime, you know and for me, it was like um, five or six years ago, when when I uh, when I got to my photo library and I saw all these great pictures and I I wrote all these great experiences down. I was like, yeah, I make a book about um, flying the libelle. You know, that was the first phase of of all the first level of that whole idea of making a book. And as uh, I am a graphic designer, and as there are really no good aviation books out there, good aviation books in in that perspective of graphic design, typography, and uh, basically design. My thing was I wanted to make a really good design book, which is really nice to read and which you have in your bookshelf and every winter it comes out and you read it because it's really uh, good to read, nice written and good pictures. And that was then the level two um, when I got into it and I asked some friends of mine. I, I started with Benjamin Bachmeier, who is a famous uh, German glider pilot to contribute to the book because I was, was thinking about um, expanding the whole thing, not making only a book about libelles, making a book about gliding in the mountains. And then I expanded it. Bert Schmelzer, also a famous European glider pilot then was into the idea and, and, and told me, yeah, Simon, for sure, I will, I will make a story for the book for you. And, and that, then the idea growed, you know? Right. And That's amazing. The third level of that book, whole book was then this year in, in January, where I was um, always struggling a little bit between all, working for customers, you know, working a little bit on the book for two or three hours per week. So it was, it is really hard because you cannot think into that book for two or three hours. You have to work one or two days on it to get a really good progress. And then I was like, I stopped um, getting new customers here in, in my graphic design studio. And I was like um, making myself a customer of myself in that company and then started really to to get focused and I worked then from then from January to to now around five to six hundred hours for the book 
and then it really blowed up, you know, and then it, it really wow. was like getting some um, technical stuff inside it, get, getting some other stories inside it, getting flight technique about climbing in the mountains in it, and then even reaching out to Gordon Bertka after his, his uh, 3,000 kilometer flight to talk to him and, and ask him if he wants to contribute for the book. And also Clemens, Clemens Chapek, who also was really fast into it. I talked to him and he was like, yeah, for sure, I want to contribute in that great book. And so the one thing came to another and um, the book uh, grew then from 200 pages in 2018 now to 402 pages, full of guiding, full of stories and, and full of really, really nice pictures and, and also like uh, stuff to learn flying technique, to fly in the, in the mountains, flying in the Alps. But my most important thing was not to make another Karl Kreut or a Reichmann book, you know. For me, right. it was important to, to, to make, really to make a book which you can read every year. That was like the first thing as I thought about it. And the second thing was I want to, to make the, the nicest and best designed guiding book ever made. And that was was really one of the, the basic motivations. Yeah. Yeah, but you have you have eye candy in there, you have some great stories, and you have of course lessons to be learned in there as well. As it really seems like it has everything you would want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to take a look at the, the book myself. I've seen a little bit, but I I definitely want to get more into it. So where can we find that book? Um, yeah, the book is um, basically, um, we printed it here in Austria, um, and I was, I was like, um, as I'm into that graphic design and, and all the printing technique, I was looking for really uh, best printing quality, you know, um, uh, and best paper quality. That is now really expensive. Um, uh, I got the opportunity to partner up with a good printer here in Austria. And um, the book is like um, the best printing technique you can get now. It's printed with 450 dots per inch. That is really um, high class printing and, and high technology. Um, and we, yeah, we made around uh, 1,300 copies. And um, basically we sell it from our online shop. And uh, we do some reseller stuff too, because yeah, we, we, we really got fast into um, some inquiries for, for resellers. And then um, we got the opportunity to, um, yeah, Shaw from Wings and Wheels reached me out and he was like, um, yeah, I want to, to buy some of the copies to sell it in the US because there are a lot of stories with, with, um, with a background or, or that happens in the US. For example, um, as I told you before, my dad was like 1970 in Marfa, Texas. And he had a lot of stories from there and I made a really nice, he made a really nice stories from that, that uh, world championship there. And also the flight from Gordon and, and that, that stuff from Clemens is really, Nice to read for for um, for you guys in the states, and so um, yeah, Sean told me yeah he will take a lot of books and you can buy it from Wings and Wheels. Okay, nice. 
our our sponsor here at the podcast. That's, that's yeah, great. I know. <laughs> and um, even even uh, my friend Vanna, uh, with my my partner in the in the company, he he also contributed to the story, and he was the winner of the last Bern Hilton Cup. And there there is a there are a lot of pictures from from that last Bern Hilton Cup inside it. And a lot of pictures from the flying M range and stuff like that. So it is really interesting for all all the, the for all you guys in the US too. So um, and it, it it should be like a little a little teaser also to come and fly here in Europe because uh, it's nice here too. And uh, so I hope you enjoy the book for sure. I'm looking forward to it myself. Yeah, cool. So how many different languages did you are you getting the book printed in? Basically, um, we we had German and English inside it. I have okay. uh, my my wife is uh, uh, Spanish and English interpreter and is now English teacher. So we have a really high level uh, English translation inside it. I made the decision to make it like English and German in one book. Okay. Not, not only for a big market, it's like um, for guys who are not so good at German, they can cross-read it in English and, and even around, you know. So that, right. that is one of the things. And um, the, the second decision I made then in January or February that we want to publish a lot more books in the future. And we made that label we had, uh, it's called We Enter Publishing. And we have now planned that we that we will um, make some airsport books in the next years. And, and um, for next year's year, we planned two or three other books, uh, not only for gliding, also for paragliding, for all the airsports. And and that is the plan for the next years to to make one or two books per year uh, with with our publishing company now, Viento. And, um, oh, very cool. See, you will see uh, more books from us and from uh, on that kind of, of level for sure. Nice. Well, I'm going to put in the show notes here links so people can get a hold of that book. Yeah, thanks. Nice. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Simon, what are your plans for the future as far as your flying goes? My flying, um, yeah, I, I, I had a Ventus now for two years and I sold the Ventus last year for a couple of reasons because of the book and also got a lot of work in my company. But um, I flew this year with an LS3 and I was like uh, happy with it, but not really happy with it because it, was, it wasn't my, my own glider. So I'm, I'm now looking out for a glider next year, a new one. And then for sure I have some plans. For example, I want to fly on 1000 kilometer FIE um, triangle and 1,000 kilometers out and return would be nice, but 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 these are like dreams for the next next years and and when I I got to 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 better um, class of of gliders, you know, I'm just just looking for for a Ventus two A or or stuff like that. Um, then I think there will be one or two seasons to 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 know the glider really well and then yeah, let's see what's happened, but. That is one of the the goals I have in future, and yeah, I talked talked last week to to Clemens, and one of the one of my main dreams are to fly in Colorado for sure, or in the Sierras. That is that is one of my my goals for sure. And as my my wife uh, was living uh, for six years in Madrid, 
Um, it is also a dream for me to go to to Spain, to Fuente Milanos, to to fly there, and um, yeah, these are one of oh, nice. these few goals. But but uh, I think I think basically I have to say um, it's not it's not about that big distances anymore for me. It's like um, collecting moments, collecting moments, absolutely, and, yeah. and just enjoying gliding. You know, enjoying it and yeah. I think that is the main goal I have. Enjoying the moment. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a great plan. Yeah, for sure. Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been nice hearing your story, and I'm excited to see your book. There's a lot of good stuff in there. It's, 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 I think it's going to be a real treat for the soaring community. Thank you, Chuck, for having me, and, and also thank you for, for making a podcast, and thank you for all the effort you put in that um, we in Europe here, we enjoy your podcast too, as there is no other good podcast, even in German. We love your podcast and keep up the, the good work and, and, and thank you for, for doing so much effort and putting so much effort in for our sports and just keep up, Jack. Well, thank you, Simon. I took a little bit of a break, as as a lot of people notice, but um, sometimes we have to do that. But we're back, and we're here, and we're looking forward to some many great interviews here in the future. For sure. Thank you, Chuck. And see you up there in the air. Hi, everyone. Sergio from Sorry Master here. Yes, I'm back. Uh, after moving to Germany in June, and after all the trouble of settling in, converting driver license, yeah, first things first, right? I had to take this break to reorganize life, and well, I'll tell you, it's great to be back. Uh, well, by now I have had almost six months uh, break from gliding activity, and unfortunately I believe that it will take some more months for my license conversion here well this is, is the longest break i've ever had since i started flying and it made me look at our sport as an outsider i've been flying since 2007 non-stop and enjoyed flying in six different countries in between the americas and europe and since i started i have witnessed several changes in technology performance propulsion and also on the way people engage the sport. Back when I started, there were no influencers, barely any high resolution footage online. If you wanted to study and know more about techniques, you had to rely on books, which, uh, well, most of them had been written 15 or 20 years prior, and some manufacturers were still around. Over the past decade, things changed in lots of fronts. Now we have YouTube with great soaring content. Uh, high resolution footage has become super accessible and uh, the same with electronics and flight gear. We can use a common cell phone to do things that were unmanageable not long ago when people were using iPacks. Well, Google iPack with a queue in the end to see what, it, what that thing was. Well, that wasn't that long ago. We have uh, now uh, international podcasts like Surin the Sky podcast, uh, web course like Surin Master for Surin Flight Improvement. But lately I've been observing the gliding activity and reflecting 
where are we heading? This past 40 years, apart from the doomed world class, which was an Olympic single class category, which led to the controversial PW5 design, a story worthy of being told here. So I'm planning to do this in uh, our next episode. Well, but since then, uh, and we are talking about 40 years ago, uh, no other project has been conceived by sailplane manufacturers trying to uh, make a widespread and still decent performance design uh, available to the great public. Uh, most of the manufacturers have decided to pursue a high-performance, high-end price objective when it comes to sailplane design. And it's also noteworthy that the actual number of sailplane manufacturers has greatly reduced in the same 40-year uh, time frame. And we have never had such a few number of designs available for purchase. Well, uh, of course, this reflects the market itself, which um, ultimately encompasses us all. Uh, how are we managing our clubs, uh, not only attracting, but retaining people? Uh, events, uh, family events, uh, are the families uh, being involved in the club's meetings or are the cl club's facilities taught in a way that uh, more people can feel welcomed? Uh, well, if not, try seeing how uh, Yacht Club does it. Uh, and how they can gather such a huge number of people around their sport who doesn't even sail. It's Well, I've been there. Uh, I've been invited by some friends lately to, to join a, a yacht club. And I saw for the first time how they can attract people. And I was impressed. There are lots of lessons that we from serving can learn, which will greatly improve the numbers of our clubs and, uh, well, that's just some food for thought out there. I would love to know how you and your club are doing in terms of the overall activity. Is, is it increasing? What are you guys doing in terms of social gathering? And what do you guys believe that needs to be improved? Please uh, share here with us, uh, either in our, uh, uh, by commenting in Instagram or via comments here from your podcast app. I uh, would love to hear it from you guys. Well, that's it. I wish you all safe flights. I'll see you in the next episode. Follow me on Instagram at StoryMaster or check my website, StoryMaster.com. If you would like to say hi and let us know where you are enjoying the podcast, we would love to hear from you. If you are a glider pilot and want to share your aviation journey, contact us at chuck at soaringthesky.com or send us a message on our website at soaringthesky.com and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next time for another soaring adventure here on Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilots podcast. Soaring the Sky is written and produced by Chuck Fulton. Original music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton. Voiceover work was done by Michelle Perez.